Welcome into another News for Jags podcast. I'm Jamal Saints here alongside Justin Barney as uh, the team has now fallen to new depths. They've lost 20 games in a row, 0-5 this season. Definitely not the start that anyone expected from the Urban Meyer, Trevor Lawrence era. Not at all. And my pick was off last week, yeah, too. I felt uh, right like there a change. You. you know, I felt the Jags were going to do it, win it for coach, pull together, and they came out and lay an egg. Yeah, you know, and they've, they've laid 20 of those eggs in a row. Uh, poor Trevor Lawrence. This is this season, he's lost five games. He hadn't lost that many games in his entire life. And now, welcome to the NFL, rookie. Five straight losses. Uh, not exactly a uh, good time to be a Jags fan or to be a part of that Jaguars organization. Uh, a lot of spotlight has been on them uh, after some of the antics of their head coach. Uh, and rightfully so. And rightfully so. Rightfully and so. and the start the, the start is has not inspired confidence in anyone. Uh I mean, Sunday's game, you couldn't have scripted out a worse start for them. I mean, the first offensive play, your your bright spot at tight end, everybody had been so happy about Dan Arnold, and boom, fumble, was, was that touchdown. A catch? Was that a catch? Look, based on the rules of the, of the NFL, a football move. He turned up field, he ducked to take the bro. It was a football move. That was a catch and fumble. Uh, I mean, if you want to go back to the old rule where it's two steps, no, but – he did turn up field, and he did brace for the hit, which makes that a football move. So he even said he's a, he's a big critic of himself and, and thinks it was a fumble. He, he's got to hold on to that. And disappointing because Dan Arnold was fantastic against the Bengals. He has been. And that was a, a disappointing start. They really never got out of that, that hole. You come back, you have a great drive to counter that. And then you miss an extra point. You know, I feel like this is, you know, people always like to talk about self-inflicted wounds. And typically they're talking like turnover or, well, typically they are talking turnovers. But a lot of times you talk about penalties. I feel like that fumble, a self-inflicted wound, that dropped interception by Shaq Griffin, another self-inflicted wound that, I mean, there's, there's a couple of plays that I key in on in this game where if they happen, I almost feel like the Jaguars – um, have a, a better shot of winning, if not win the game. If Dan Arnold doesn't fumble, they get off to a better start. All of a sudden, it's a, a different game. You don't have to drop your head. If Shaq Griffin comes up with that interception, that was when they already had some momentum rolling. So all of a sudden, it's a different game. Your offense has a short field. If uh, if that that ball that flies out of Ryan Tannenhill's hand is ruled a fumble instead of an incomplete pass, a whole nother different game. I mean, finally, you've got to turn over a little bit of momentum rolling. If that fourth down run, which we will that talk a little down. bit more about in a minute, wow. if, if that fourth down play finds its way into the end zone from the one-yard line, it's it's a different game, and the Jaguars actually have a chance and, and momentum on their side. You know, that fourth down play, I mean, we can get into it now. Yeah, let's. Uh, that, to me, I mean, you mentioned those other plays, and the Dan Arnold play for sure. Sure. Right off the bat, you're, you know, a few plays into the game, and you give up a, a – Fumble. I mean, come on. That's just typical Jaguars luck. But okay, you're you're driving in the fourth quarter. You score four plays into the fourth quarter to cut it to 31-19. You miss two point conversion. But then five minutes later, you're knocking on the door after holding Tennessee to a punt. You know, Trevor didn't get in on the rushing call. They overturned it. But you're at the one yard line. Similar situation to the Bengals game on Thursday night when. You've got a play call there. That play call in the Bengals game was supposed to go a pitch to James Robinson. They wound up scuttling that. Trevor tried to sneak across, denied. Huge play there in that game, really the turning point in, in that Bengals game. Uh, chance to go up 21-0 at half in that game. You lose by three. But this one, 
so much more damning to me because, A, your offense is rolling. James Robinson having a career game. You wanted that original play against the Bengals to go to James Robinson. You changed that, and Trevor kept it. This is your chance to give to James Robinson, punch it in the end zone, get back within a score, and what do you do? He's not even on the field in the game. That's unexplainable to me. And Urban Meyer comes out and says he's not going to micromanage. Carlos Hyde, he trusts him. It just boggles my mind how this coaching staff can be so disjointed in a play like that, a momentum-sapping play. That play, to me, was what lost them the game. You know, uh, there have been questions about if Urban Meyer had the locker room or if this coaching staff had lost him. If it turns out that we are looking for a new head coach and then players start talking about a lot, that's the moment. That's it right there. This season has been interesting, but after the defense stopped the Titans, got the ball back for the offense there, that is the first time this season that I've seen the entire defense standing there watching the offense operate. And to me, that said, we believe they're going to go score and we're going to win this damn game. Yeah. And you get four shots inside the five. How many times did James Robinson touch the ball? He wasn't Zero. even on the field. And then, then the fourth down call. Your guy's been cooking all game. And I tweeted it right before the play. I tweeted something like, uh, you know, what, what's the Jaguars play call? Because I can guarantee you it won't be to James Robinson. From fourth down, one yard out, your guy has over 120 yards at that point or something. And he's standing on the feet on the on the sideline, not far from Urban Meyer, with his hands on his hips, just watching. I mean, I look you you don't have to be a genius to be an NFL coach, but clearly they, we're missing something here because there's no excuse for not having that guy at least on the field. If you hand it to him and it gets blown up the way it did, like all right, you can your best player got stopped. Your best okay. player got stopped. It's best on best, and we didn't make it. But then. It, that hole, like that hole, was already deep, but it just gets worse. So then you say, "All right, well, it's one yard out. Why couldn't we quarterback sneak it?" After the game, Urban Meyer says, "Well, Trevor Lawrence isn't comfortable doing quarterback sneak, so we couldn't run it." We asked Trevor if he's comfortable doing a quarterback sneak. He's like, "I'm ready to do whatever it takes." So th- then there's a disconnect there. So then he has to clear up on Monday. I mean, Urban basically throws his rookie quarterback underneath the bus, backs it up on him, says he's not ready. Trevor's like, "I don't know what you're talking about." Monday he. He's like, well, we just haven't practiced it live in practice. And then uh, I can guarantee you, how about this? Let's You can poll any NFL player. How often do you think they do live goal line during the regular season? Never. So you mean to tell me through all of training camp, y'all never thought once, like, you know what we might we need to work on? We might need year. a quarterback sneak. But, I mean, this is, like, this is a huge theme, and it's not just on Urban Meyer. It's not. This is a Daryl Bevel problem, too. He has a lack of, I don't know if it's a lack of belief in his guys, but he refuses to go out there and play bully ball and believe in his offensive line, his guys to go get one yard. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a big problem. I mean, you can go back to Seattle, and everybody knows the Marshawn Lynch play. I mean, it, you, throw, you throw a pass on the one-yard line when you got Marshawn Lynch pounding the rock. It, it, this is a, it's a continuous thing. Instead of just saying, look, a gap. We're coming right behind you, Brandon Linder, uh, or before the injury. We're coming right. We're coming right up your butt crack. Open it up. That's where it's at. Yeah, and he won't do it. The fact that Urban Meyer said, you know, James being on the field, you know, the only time he comes out is to spell him for a breather. That that to me, that's a bad example because at that point in the game. 
James Robinson's last carry of the game was the second play of the fourth quarter. The second, the second play of the fourth quarter, okay, so between James Robinson's last carry and the time of the, the failed play call to Carlos Hyde, there had been 11 total plays, and, and that's not counting TV timeouts. It's not counting change of possessions. 11 offensive plays by the Titans and Jaguars that James Robinson had been on the sideline. So you figure unless he's hurt, unless he's really got a lung deflated or something, getting that breather, why is he not on the field? He had certainly had enough time to be on that field after a quick breather. James Robinson needed to be on the field. There's no excuse for them to go to Carlos Hyde when James Robinson's having the best game of his career. He's had an exceptional two weeks of football, and he's only on on the field getting the ball six times in the second half of that game in a game that he was just dominating in. It does not does not resonate with me how Urban Meyer, a, a self-described control freak, can let something like that slip between the cracks. I know you don't want to overrule people, micromanage whatever he said in the press conference, that's, but you've got to at some point. Yeah, that, that's and, a give me. I mean, you can't let Daryl Bevel trot Carlos Hyde out there in that situation. If you need to say, well, James Robinson was tired. Well, they had just finished reviewing the play call. I think he caught his breath. And then after the game, Urban said, I needed to check and see if maybe James was hurt or something. No, because I saw him stand where he was standing at on the sideline. He was front and center at about the 40 or 50-yard line with his hands on his hips watching the play. 11 but, plays. 11 plays since I mean, he last carried the ball between that play and then the Carlos Hyde carry. 11 plays. 11 plays. He's had his breath at that time. Yeah. And James didn't want to come out and say that he disagreed with things. He's a company no. man, undrafted free agent, so he's going to go with whatever the coaches decide, but I think as Urban Meyer, you've got to look at Daryl Bevel and say, hey, why is James Robinson not in the game? And it's just it mind-blowing to me that Urban was not aware until a media member brought it up on Monday that James Robinson's workload decreased by half in the second half. And he, you know, Urban on Monday came out and said, well, I'm gonna, I'll have to go look at that. If you're the head coach of an NFL team and you don't know plays and details and numbers and workloads for James Robinson, Trevor Lawrence, whatever, and you've got to go Check that after. You've already dissected the game on Monday probably three or four times. You've got to know that, Urban. You've got to know that. And week by week, I think he's showing that he's either, A, delegating too much, or he's just in way over his head and is grasping at straws and has no idea how to coach in the NFL. It's just unexplainable how ill-prepared he has been for this job. And that situation on the goal line, another example of Urban just not being connected to either his coaching staff or the moment, whatever it is, it's just proven too much for him. The only thing that has been a positive from the entire Urban Meyer era has been his uh, player health initiative. I mean, we can say the Jaguars' injury list has been short, so the red light therapy and this ice stuff and the, the wellness cocoon and all that stuff that he's added, clearly working. That is the only positive takeaway we've had at this point. I mean, any sort of confidence that we had that Urban Meyer was on the right track is has been completely eroded. I mean, this dude looks and sounds like someone way in over his head. I mean, it, it's becoming blatantly obvious that in college he was a great recruiter, and that's how he put together winning teams. And, I, and in the NFL, that don't work. And I think the, the problem is he doesn't have that NFL experience. He's not been here and done that for a couple of years. He's not coached in the NFL before in any capacity. And I think that 
he came into this situation, and he's mentioned it before. He's hiring guys with NFL experience. He's leaning Ooh, on them. He didn't. He didn't hire anybody with NFL experience. Well, Daryl Bevel, okay, Joe Cullen. He, those, he, you know, his coordinators have got NFL. They, they've Joe Cullen, a first-time defensive coordinator. Daryl Bevel has been fired from his offensive coordinator job how many times? Yeah, and he has true. no one that is a experienced NFL head coach on his staff, which is the problem or a part of the problem. Because if you bring in someone. I don't care, Marvin Lewis, Herm Edwards, someone that's been at the top before, they can give you, hey, Urban, maybe you should fly back with the team. Hey, Urban, you know, we sh- we've got to go get some more veteran players during free agency to-, to improve this roster. Hey, Urban, we should probably practice a quarterback sneak during training camp. Yeah. Like, I mean, you, you, who, on that, who on that staff do you honestly think feels confident enough or comfortable enough to say, hey, Coach Meyer, you probably shouldn't do it. Hey, coach, make sure James Robinson. Does it, do you think anybody no, in that room? I, I don't think so. Unless, that's unless, the problem. Unless it's Joe Cullen or um, you know Daryl Bevel. I this don't know. This is Joe's if, shot. Yeah. If if Urban fal- falters here, does how long does Joe have to wait to get another defensive coordinator job? This is his shot. He can't tell Urban anything. If he if he makes Urban upset and Urban says, you know what, Joe, you're out. When does Joe get another coordinator shot? Yeah, that's, that's I mean, a fair point. There's nobody on this staff that can that feels confident enough to check this dude and or offer some friendly advice or helpful advice, and that's the problem. And that's you know, in in Urban, since he's been here, the off season he has preached and preached about insulating his himself with guys who have been in the NFL, leaning on coaches, leaning on Trent. Um, in this situation, and I think he's doing too much leaning and not enough, you know, digging in and, and kind of making this his franchise. I think he's delegating far too much, and I think that's just inexperience and having not been around the NFL before. And um, you're seeing this wish-wash of stuff where he's not in the loop on play calls or, you know, uh, usage of James Robinson or whatever the case may be. It's felt disjointed from – Week one, it's felt disjointed uh, since the preseason opener, to be honest. And you've seen flashes and seen things, and I do think they are improving. Um, you're playing better teams. Denver was a good team. Tennessee, uh, you know, I picked uh, Jacksonville to beat them, but I think everybody in the right mind picked the Titans. Yeah. Um, you're playing better teams. I think this week they have a chance um, to score one. In the, if, if they can't beat the Dolphins without heading into Tua. a bye week yeah. without – Tua, and uh, Tua has been erratic as can be, but Jacoby Brissett banged up as well. Um, If you cannot beat the Dolphins, who are uh, a shell of an NFL team at this point, um, and you're going into the bye week, and I don't think Shad Khan is going to pull the plug on Urban uh, at all at this point. Urban will have to walk out. I think Urban um, would have to walk away at this point. But really, if you go into the bye week 0-6, what's the state of mind of this franchise at that point? So here's my thing. Urban Meyer isn't the first and won't be the last NFL head coach that doesn't call plays on either side of the ball. But when you think about the coaches that are similar to that to that effect, that don't call plays on either side of the ball, maybe a, a hardball comes to mind. Uh, a John in Baltimore. Uh, so, But you've never heard them after a game say, well, I wasn't aware that that was happening. Because as a guy who's not focused on the next play call, your job is to be the game manager. So if you're one of your coordinators, say, for instance, a fourth and one play has the backup running back on the field as the game manager, it's your job on game day to say, "Ah, ah, wait a minute, 
uh, get 25 out there, and this is what we're going to do. As the game manager, you can't be standing on the sidelines and, and, or you can't be responding to media questions after the game saying, you know, I was looking at the defense too, wondering if they were playing man and zone at the same time. we got to go back, look at the film, it's, and see if a, we can fix that out. It's just a disconnect. As, as a game manager, he's supposed to be listening as Joe Cullen and Daryl Bevel radio in these calls, and if he don't like one of them, which as a game manager, you shouldn't agree with every call your guys make, as a game manager, as the head coach, you should say, ah, ah, wait a minute, let's fix this. Because that's what you're here to do. You're not worried about the next play. Like Daryl Bevel has to always be worried about the next play while they're on offense. Joe Cullen's always worried about the next play because they got to get that call in quick so that way their guys can rebound. What is Urban Meyer doing during the game if he's not managing? He's just standing there. At that point, he's a fan. And, and that, you what, know, what, what's, what and when doing? you're asking him questions after the game and he's giving you those blank stares and, and really have to go back and check, I'm not sure. I, I mean, do you think a Bill Belichick would say Never. that? Uh, do you think, uh, I mean. I, I can accept I have to go watch the film if it's a, something very specific. We got to evaluate. Talk to me about it on Monday. I'm okay with that sometimes. But when your response to things is like, oh, well, I'm the head coach, but I don't like to micromanage the calls. And this isn't the first time that we've had this conversation with him where he's had to give a similar response. I have problem with that. I mean, that's where we start to say, okay, are you in over your head? Do you know what's going on? You're physically being out coached week in and week out. And I mean, we we at at the beginning because this was a one win team last year, we were able to you know preach the improvement week in and week out. It's week freaking five. They've lost some winnable games. At what point is improvement not good enough? At what point is it? The players are playing well enough to win football games, but the coaching staff is failing them. Yeah, I mean, I, you've heard the, on Sunday night, Drew Brees went on the broadcast for um, for the late game, and he said, you know, it's getting to that point where Trevor's going to have to take this into his own hands and go out there and make something happen. Because I, as a rookie, it's tough to say, okay, hey, Trevor, this is all on you, bro. Like, you're going to have to do something. I mean – if Aaron Rodgers sees James Robinson standing on the sideline and Carlos Hyde running out there, I can guarantee you what Aaron's going to do. He's cussing into the headset and calling a timeout. Right. Saying, I can Get guarantee you Tom, what Tom Brady would do in that situation, too. I mean, Peyton Manning probably, too. But as a rookie, Trevor doesn't have that sort of control of the offense at the moment. But at some point, the way it looks, he's going to have to take that control of the offense. He's going to have to make those executive decisions and – Say, all right, you know what? Either we're gonna put James out here, or you know what? We're gonna. I'm not. I'm not gonna hand it to him. I'm gonna just boot naked and try and take it in myself. And he's, or he's that kind of player. I think that has the the cachet and. Oh, the, he definitely has the intelligence to, to do that. He has the 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 control of the offense. I think he knows the playbook well enough that he could. The problem is putting that sort of weight on a, on a guy that's played five NFL games almost isn't unfair. It's un, it's un, it is unfair, to especially do that. when you have. Uh, a coach in Urban Meyer, so much expected of him, an offensive coordinator who's been there before. And it just, it, it seems, I, I keep going back to, I think Urban delegates far too much. I think he needs to, to, you know, you said in the Trevor situation, take control, declare this. I mean, Urban, if you've got to micromanage, micromanage. Win a dadgum game. And, you know, Urban, I think he is just afraid to make a stand whatever it is he is just not adapted to this um he's been far too skittish as an nfl head coach i think he needs to be um i think he needs to rein it in i think he needs to overrule daryl bevel at times it's, or joe cullen at times and you know if he's not going to do it trevor lawrence 
needs to do it. Do what Drew Brees says. You know, be an Aaron Rodgers. Be a Peyton Manning. I know you're 22 years old and you're going into your sixth NFL game, but Trevor, knock on wood, is going to be here in Jacksonville far longer than Urban Meyer. Yeah, it looks like it. I mean, but it, the, see, it's not even that Urban has to overrule Joe Cullen. I haven't seen any glaring. I mean, we can say, you know, he drops Josh Allen back into coverage or the defense doesn't enforce their will or things like that. I think the defense is lacking talent. I said it before the season starts or started, and I'll say it now. I think the back end of that defense is so talent devoid that it really limits what you can do with your front seven. And the front seven is talent devoid, it, it, other I than mean, Miles Jack and some, some uh, other contributors. Honestly. Um, I mean, they were rotating guys a lot. And that included Miles Jack this past week, and they finally figured out that he doesn't play well when he has to call the rest of the defense. So they took the green yeah. dot away from Wouldn't him. Wouldn't you have known that more than you if know, they'd have done five their, games into the season? If they did their research, they'd already known. But hey, that's another. The, but he doesn't have to micromanage Joe Cullen and that defensive staff very much. It's the offense where we keep having these head-scratching decisions. The flea flicker at and at your own twenty when momentum was already on your side. I mean, uh, the the fourth and one call there, the fourth and one call before the half against Cincinnati. At some point, these big game calls, Urban Meyer should have to approve them. If you're going to call a freaking flea flicker at the 20-yard line, when it's whether the T.J. Chark was open or not, Urban Meyer should have to green light that. Yeah, I mean, that's a big game call. Urban should have to say, you know what, I put my stamp of approval on it, that's on me. And that's, Fourth and one in Cincinnati, Urban should have to say, I put my stamp of approval on that play, that's on me. Absolutely. I mean, that's what head coaches that and don't call plays do. That's what I think. When we go back to this, I think he's being too uh, delicate with things. I think he has got to take a stand. You know, Urban knows every play that's going to happen before it happens. He can greenlight it. He can say, no, I, I don't like that. I'll overrule you, Daryl. I think, a, you know, we don't need to do a flea flicker here. He knows the plays that are going to that are gonna happen. Oh, yeah. And for whatever reason, again, I think he's delegating too much to guys who have a better understanding of the NFL than he does. It doesn't seem like he's locked in. I mean, maybe he's hearing those plays and not processing what the calls are. Or maybe maybe he doesn't have a grasp of the playbook, so all he's doing is hearing the calls in his headset, and he don't know what the hell they mean. Yeah. It's, it's got to be something. There's no middle ground because there's no way as a head coach in the NFL you've gotten to this point that you can convince me that you think it's a good idea to have your best running back on the sideline for the play of the game. You and, can't. And the entire second half. I, I mean, mean and, and to keep him out of the, the you've game. You've got line. a guy with 12 carries, over 100 yards at halftime. He had a huge run earlier in the game, got a touchdown, ran strong the week four against Cincinnati. He's effective. He's moving the chain, setting up Trevor. Trevor's having a good game passing the ball because of James Robinson. And then the second half. You go away from what's worked so well. And in a game that was only 11 points at halftime, I don't understand how you can continually we're, – we're having this James Robinson conversation week after week after We've week. We've had it all season. It's just baffling to me how if, you know, Urban said in a press conference they want to be a 250 rushing yard team and a 250 passing yard team every game, which is absolutely insane. asinine. That's ludicrous. not happening in the NFL. But – you know, that's, that's great, but that's uh, set up to, to fail. No team can achieve that. The most highest scoring, highest offense, best offense in NFL history, the 2011 Saints. You know what they averaged? 467.1 a game. And Urban wants Jacksonville, this Jacksonville team, which uh, with a bunch of, uh, of guys who probably be out of the league in three years, to, to average 
500 yards a game? You know what you're saying, Urban? I mean, just unrealistic, asinine, unrealistic, set up for mm-hmm. failure, expectation and comment. And Urban, you know, continues to draw these headlines for being an imbecile with things that he says. <laughs> and and it's true. And, you know, you make stupid statements like that. You're going to get stupid prizes. And week after week, Urban is going out on a limb, making ridiculous statements. The statement yesterday about the averaging 500 yards a game offensively. He likes the way the offense is going. Okay, well, if you like the way the offense is going, the main guy who's getting you there offensively, you're you're forgetting about him. It makes no sense to me why, if you want to be such a power-running team and, and make it easier on Trevor, you're going away from the guy who's delivering that, especially in a game-time crunch of a situation mm-hmm. like we had against Cincinnati, like we had against the Titans on Sunday. It makes no sense to me. So Urban continually embarrasses this franchise with things that he says with his really just inability to even look interested at times um he just seems disconnected disengaged disconnected and poor jaguar fans are having to um you know to be perpetually embarrassed by things that this team does and the head coach as well it just it's a bad look six games into the season you wonder whether your coach is going to make it through the year. Unbelievable, unacceptable. If James Robinson played for almost any other team, I mean, he'd be in the conversation for one of the best running backs. He'd be in the right league. behind Derrick Henry for the league lead in rushing. Yes, coach. because any other team would be feeding this guy ridiculous amounts of handoffs. And uh, at this point, Daryl Bevel refuses to commit to it. And I understand wanting to put the ball in Trevor Lawrence's hands. I, I get it. And he's been playing better off over the past few weeks, and the offense has been moving. And, you know, somebody said, you know, oh, you can't blame Daryl Bevel in this offense. Well, at that point, they had only scored 19 points. And I, I said, I can blame him for a lot. The offense has not scored enough points. I mean, we're talking about a, 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 a team that goes into a game knowing they need to score 30 points if they want to win at minimum. I don't care about 500 yards. I don't care if they sc- if they pick up 200 yards of offense and score 30 points, they got a shot to win. 30 points is where you need to hit because your defense ain't holding too many teams to less than 30. No, not, Plain not and simple. with that defense. You know, and they've, so, done, they've done good things. Um, but, again, we keep saying the same thing each week. They do good things. They make progress. And boom, another loss. Uh, we're, we're over progress at this point. At this point, it's put up or shut up. It's win or go home. I mean, all of the players in this locker room, I mean, Caleb on Chase on talked about it today. He said, I can't go home and just be in a good mood. I've never lost games like this. He said, I won a championship in college. I won a championship in high school. And now I'm here in the NFL. And since he's been in the NFL, he's won one game. Well, so he said he, do- he doesn't sleep well at night. It's a good with thing the way- he's not playing for LSU right now, by that, the way. That, that is a good thing that he's not at LSU because it's bad there. But, I mean, he, he said, I asked. So when Devon Hamilton came in after it, he came in as a rookie with Chase on it. So I asked him. I said, hey, have you ever lost this many games in your life? He said, I don't think I've ever lost this many games since I started playing football seriously. Like, so when you got guys that are, are looking at you, I mean, Trevor Lawrence, we know has never lost this many games in his life. I'd be willing to bet the majority of the guys in that locker room have never lost this many games in their entire life. Now they've lost 20 games in a row in the NFL, and they're being failed. They were failed by Dave Caldwell and Doug Marone last year, and now they're being failed by Urban Meyer and his staff. And these guys are getting to a point where many of them might, may have successful NFL careers, but they probably won't have them in Jacksonville because when it comes time for them to leave and go somewhere else, they have to go somewhere where there is a winning culture instilled instead of everybody looking at each other, well, we believe we can win. You know, it's 
I, I think some of me, one of them even said it, you know. So I think I asked Dan Arnold about it, and he was because I asked him because he went from Carolina undefeated to here where they can't seem to win, and he said, you know, if we can get a win, guys will start to understand or believe that they can win in the NFL and see that they can play at this level. And when you got a whole locker room of guys that are questioning if they can win in the NFL or if they can play at this level and need to win a game to believe that, you can't be a successful NFL team. I mean, it's not a talent thing. Half the NFL battle is going out there and showing that you can do it. With one yard to go, your coach believing in you enough to say, well, we can go out there and screw them. We're going to pick up a yard because they know we need it and we know we need it. We want it more. I mean, it's to the point where – I think it's getting out of hand for Urban and company. I mean, at 0-5, you can go in there and preach all this own-it stuff all you want. Like, I, There's only so much you can own. There's only so much that, that you can you can really own an 0-5 team. If they lose to the Dolphins on Sunday, well, Sunday morning, I don't know if Urban even needs to come back. Yeah, I think he could just stay in London. I It's so, you know, the, the Urban – stuff worked so well in the offseason people were excited own it let's player performance all this stuff i'm invested the game started and things have just not gone as planned at all it's been really i almost feel you know watching this team it's almost been a bait and switch we we saw so much from the staff and stuff in the offseason such rah rah which is how it is in in any sport at all in the in the offseason everybody excited but for whatever reason, and I know we need to preface this with we've talked about this before, you know, it's a multi-year rebuild. Um, it's yeah. going to take some time. There needs to be more talent here. But it just, to me, seeing Urban, it, he just seems, I don't know if he's just so beaten, if he's got stuff going on in his personal life that are, that's transferring over to the team. But he just looks disengaged, overwhelmed. What, whatever, I can't put my, my hand on it completely, but he just looks – so out of sorts he's defeated it, the the picture i mean the um the situation is just almost too big for him and whatever i think that's the most disappointing thing is yes the this is a young team they have a long way to go a lot of talent needs to be replaced on this team but for a guy that's prided himself on details and breaking down film and um, mm-hmm. To be in every nook and cranny of the uh, football operations, he, he's not detailed. He is the least detail-oriented details guy that I've ever and, met and in my life. And that's so that's so disheartening for a yes. guy that's kind of made the 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 crux of what he does. Um, no team is going to outwork us. He said that at Florida. He said that at Ohio State. He said in Jacksonville. And then it, to come out and you know, the, I think the losing is. You know, it is what it is. I didn't expect them to be 0-5 at this point. You know, game here, a game there. But for how they've lost, for the team to just look unprepared at times this year, to be so disconnected, to be so almost disengaged, to not know that your star running back's production decreased by half in a huge uh, divisional game, how do you not know that for Urban Meyer? And to me, that's so disappointing um, on him as a coach. I think he's got miles and miles to go as a coach, and I don't know if he'll go those miles in Jacksonville. Uh, um, at this point, the inmates are running the asylum. I mean, the players want to win. The coaching staff has not helped them or put them in a position to win. As a coach, your job is to put your players in the best position to succeed. I can't pinpoint very many times this season that I've just looked at something and said, wow, they schemed so well and put a guy in a position to be successful. 
I I can't think of one time. To, to, to me, probably the 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 drive, the opening drive against Denver, was the last time I looked at them and said, "Man, alive! That was a heck of a." Call that offense ran smooth, and how long goes that? It was week two. Exactly, and that's a problem. I mean, Urban's clearly come here, and you know, I'd started to buy into it a little bit, and you know, I'm, I'm reevaluating that. But he's came with a lot of these college antics. I mean, during free agency, he had all the position coaches give him a list of guys that they wanted to 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 add to their position group, or and during the draft, all of his. All the scouts were bringing back stuff, but the position coaches also had input on the guys that they wanted in their position rooms. And that's a very college-style thing. I mean, think recruiting. Uh, it's very college-esque as opposed to Urban saying, well, these are the guys that I want. Or Trent Bulky even coming in saying, this is the, the vision that we have for our football team. And it's now gotten to a point where now you've got these guys here, and some of them have been good. Like, I think Shaq Griffin's played at a high level. I, Roy Robertson-Harris is a little hurt. I think Rayshon Jenkins has been one of the best defenders on the entire team. But you didn't bring in enough talent. You brought in, I mean, Jihad Ward is a good locker room guy, but he's not an impact defender. Yeah, and I think that's, uh, we talked about this before on the podcast as well. They brought in budget free agents. They, they, they brought in yeah. buddies is what yeah, they brought in. Coaches, everybody that they brought in this offseason has a connection to one of the coaches. They brought in people they knew. And they gave them a spot on the roster, and uh, some of that was to, to preserve the locker room, but some of that is almost like saying, you know what, we'll take the devil you know rather than the devil you don't, or whatever you want to, however you want to look at it. But they brought in players that they were co- familiar with. And it's one thing if you're familiar with an extremely talented player who comes in and sets the world on fire, which is great. That's fine. We're glad that you knew him. You can rekindle this relationship. But you can't just bring in guys you know and then look at it, and everybody's looking at it like, this guy has never done very well in the NFL, but you're just bringing him here. Okay, uh-huh. And it doesn't work. And now we're, we're, we're sitting there looking. I mean, he brought back the exact same offensive line. Why? Because they were here? I mean, I understand, like, okay, Cam is great. But at some point, you know what? The, what At 0-5, you're going to have to bench your franchise-tagged left tackle at some point because you have to play Walker Little to see if the dude can play. Because he hasn't played. God forbid that Urban comes back next year and he has he lets Cam Robinson walk this offseason and says, Walker Little's going to be our, our next left tackle. And the dude hasn't played a football game in, what, two and a half years? Yeah. He played, like, what, one or two at the college level? And he hasn't played a football game in, like, two and a half years? So, so where's, the, where's the cutoff point for that, right? You know, if you're looking at the schedule right now, things continue to spiral. When you have to kind of look at balance the, the needs of the now versus We're already the, there. the needs of the future, we're okay. already there. I mean, I mean, one hundred percent at zero and five, we're we are already there. I mean, at some point they're going to have to pull that plug on Cam and say, Cam, shut it down, brother, and they're going to have to put Walker Little in there because there is no excuse to not get this guy playing time. If he is your left tackle of the future, find out if the kid can play. If you go into the offseason and can't see if this guy can play, we have a problem. I mean, you're getting to see Ben Bartel on an extended basis now. It, you're, you've got to see if Walker Little can play. You've got to get some of these young players, an Andre Sisco, on the field and let them play meaningful snaps and games. Shaq Quarterman has played, in the words of Joe Cullen, they've been rolling them, but uh, he's got to play a little bit more. He's, they've got to see what they've got in some of these young players. The starters ain't exactly playing at a Pro Bowl level, so, I mean, at this point, at 0-5, what do you have to lose? 
play some of the young players. There's not a the problem. Part of the problem on this roster is there's not a lot of those young players that you really want to get out there anymore, because um, they they got rid of a lot of them and opted to keep like solid veterans at random spots. But you've got to get guys like Walker Little, Andre Cisco. I mean, you got to keep playing Tyson Campbell because we're at that point at 0 5. This team is going nowhere fast. You hope you luck into two or three wins and. You almost start to look at it and say, I mean, the, the roster doesn't want to say this, but, I mean, Trent Baalke, if he's being realistic, if he's back next season, you start thinking, all right, well, we're going to be picking toward the top of the draft. And you go to your scouts and say, look, guys, y'all need to be working overtime on the top prospects because we need to know who we're picking. Is it is it Thibodeau from Oregon? What are we doing here? But you've got to get those young players on the field. As a coach, as a locker room, do they care about that? Not as much, but – that's where having a good GM and a coach that sees longevity comes into play because they start to understand we're we're knocking on the door of next year at some point and we've got young players that we think are talented but don't have game experience. Well, we're losing anyway. And so what do you have to lose? Will you lose anyway? I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, I think they're, you're getting dangerously close to, to knocking on that door. I mean, you lose Sunday, God forbid, and you're 0-6. You're hitting the bye week. I mean, there's 11 games left. I mean, do you see this team getting hot and ripping off seven or eight wins to get in that playoff conversation, wild card conversation? I, I don't think so. I don't think it's even seven or eight consecutive wins yeah, when I, the, the know, team's lost twenty in a row. I, you know, I, I take one, just I, I one. Just don't, I don't see that happening. You know, do you do you kind of you know hang your hat on this team can get hot at the right time and maybe win seven of those six, seven of those next eleven? I I just don't. I don't think they're at that point yet. I think. Probably the best case scenario at this point is four, three wins, maybe four, three or four, three wins? Or four wins. Okay, is yeah, best that's, case that's I'd let him roll out the normal roster in London against the Dolphins. If they lose that game to the Dolphins, burn it to the ground. Andre Cisco starts. I'm sorry, Dewey. You know he's been playing fine, but you uh, you got to see what Cisco has at that point. Sorry, Cam. You can collect your franchise tag from the sideline. We got to see what Walker Little's got. If you lose to the Dolphins without their starting quarterback, a team that looks just as confused as the Jaguars have this season, you burn it to the ground. Every young player needs to play. We're looking forward to the next season. The only thing that you want to see is consistent development and keeping Trevor Lawrence alive. Yeah, and that's, I mean, I think that's that's we're almost at that point. At you know, even at zero and five, I think we're at that point. I, you know, I don't think with the starters they have out there, their starters. I mean. When you look at this team now, how many positions of the 22 do you think will have new starters next year? If it's not half of them, we got a problem. Yeah, I think so. I think I we're mean, looking, there, looking There's that. an overall lack of like awareness on this roster, and uh, you have a young roster, and you can write certain things off. But there's one thing that I've noticed for a few weeks this season. So, like, Trevor Lawrence, we all knew he was a pretty good athlete, but he's been running around a lot. Um, and so when he gets out of the pocket and, and bootlegs out and he's still looking down the field, his receivers move slower than me or you on the football field when he starts running for his life. They almost just stop and start watching like, oh, he's going to do something cool. I want to see. And that's and, unbelievable. I mean, you said this <laughs> last week on the podcast. And receivers had so much potential in camp, and they have just been done a nothing. huge letdown. Huge yeah. letdown. Well, I asked Trevor about it after the game. I said, hey, Trevor, you know, it seems like your guys uh, need to work on the scramble drill a little bit. And, and you know what he said? He said, 
well, we didn't work on that during training camp, and we only worked on it like a week or two ago, so we've only worked it like once or twice. So we really just have to get on the same page and keep working it in practice. You mean to tell me, again, like in training camp, your two quarterbacks were Trevor Lawrence and Gardner Minshew, both of which run around for their life, and both are pretty decent athletes, and you never worked once a scramble drill with your receivers of, okay, our quarterback's out of the pocket, break off your route, find us a void, give them something to throw to. They never worked that once. That's an indictment to the coaching staff. But I also blame the receivers because this is not like you. This is the same thing you've been doing since park ball, high school ball, in college. I can guarantee you in high school at some point, each one of these guys, they worked a scramble drill with their coaching staff at some point. Like You can't convince me that their coaches just had them out there and they had no idea what to do absolutely embarrassing and again I don't know how many times we've mentioned it multiple times on the podcast about how you know how many changes they made in the preseason with getting in more receivers and Marvin Jones looked good DJ was was coming back from hand surgery um Laquan Treadwell was a good camp performer LaVisca so much was expected of him to take that next step Travis Etienne was going to factor into I mean there were so many good storylines coming out of that receivers they were highly motivated figured that would be one of the strongest groups on the team Come regular season, these guys can't get separation from anybody. Marvin Jones has been invisible. Uh, your tight ends, I mean, have have caught the ball recently, and that shows you how bad the receivers have been when your tight ends are, are making plays. LaVisca has been um, had a great game against Cincinnati, invisible last game until the fourth quarter. I, I just don't know where the problems lie. I don't think it's on Trevor. I think the receivers aren't as good as we thought they were going to be. Yeah. Um, and there's just not been – Growth. I don't know if they're slow. I don't know if they're running the wrong routes. What it is, but a position that I thought going into the season would be the team's strongest offensively has been a horrible, horrible letdown. And well, one of the things that I can say from showing up through training camp and through practice now, and and asking as to why like a guy like Tyron Johnson doesn't play, is uh, this offense has a lot of choice route concepts in it. And that's why we saw like Trevor Lawrence throw some interceptions during training camp is it wasn't as much him being aggressive. It was these choice routes where if he reads the wrong coverage or the receiver reads the wrong coverage, the throw all of a sudden looks crazy because there's nobody there besides maybe a defender that's patrolling that area. So when you got a lot of choice routes, everybody has to be on the same page. And so part of the what they're saying from like Tyron Johnson is he has to learn to see what the defense is doing because that indicates what route concept he has to run on said play. And I'm, I'm all about choice routes, and th- this is just my personal football preferences. I, I like choice routes in certain situations from certain receivers. I think star receivers, a D-hop, a... Um, you know, you know, guys, D- D- Devontae Adams, they, they should have the option to do choice routes, but they also have veteran quarterbacks who, all right, we're all on the same page. I'm either running this or this based on the coverage that I get and where I get this guy in positioning. I don't think every route receiver on the field needs to be worrying about running choice routes uh, because that takes away from your ability as a coordinator and as a quarterback to really scheme and make it simple on him to read, okay, well, this safety is high, so I know my crosser underneath is open. It's not that simple now because the play 
is has all his receivers making decisions based on the coverage that they're getting and where they got the cornerback stacked at, which makes it a little bit more complicated. And then now you got a guy like Tyron Johnson who they need to play to give them a deep threat that they don't feel comfortable playing because he's not picking the right choice routes in practice. And how many weeks has he been in this offense? Four? That, that's because I – and maybe I don't I don't cover other teams as closely, but not many offenses in the NFL have as many choice routes seemingly as it looks like the Jaguars have. I mean, most guys complain like Tyron Johnson is a role playing type of receiver. Uh, I can tell you like there's a lot of different coordinators who would take him and say, all right, your route, you're gonna run the seam. We're gonna put you in the slot and you're gonna run 60 yards down the field full speed. And guess what? If they don't put a safety over the top of you, just catch the bomb. That's that's your route. Your route is to pull that safety out and clear other people out. And some guys hate that, but when you're a fast receiver, that'll keep you in the NFL for five or six years because your job is one thing. Run 60 yards down, and we hope you got the cardio because we're going to come back to the line of scrimmage and you're going to do it again. Um, I mean, it, it's relatively simple, uh, but it doesn't look like they want to do that. The other thing is he didn't make the play on, like, the couple of the one or two opportunities that they gave him. But this offense has seems – they're not doing Trevor any favors here with this scheming, and they're not utilizing guys the way they really need to. I mean, you got to know your personnel. Marvin Jones is not a big separation kind of guy. LaVishka Chenault clearly has not been a big separation kind of receiver, but he makes plays when he has his number called. Now, last week I will give him a little bit of a pass. This was his first time playing on the outside in the NFL, first game of his career. So we'll see if maybe give him this week. and if, if Made a play when he needed he to. He made a play when they called his number. yards, so, catch and run, beautiful. So, so maybe – Looking at it differently, he comes against the Dolphins with that first week of playing outside under his belt and can hit things or, or tweak his game a little bit and create a little bit more separation or make some more plays. Because last week, Urban Meyer said, LaVishka Chenault's a guy we want to see get six to ten catches a game. He, he got one. He had a great one. game against Cincinnati and just invisible last game. Just he had invisible. a great, again, one great play, and that was it. Invisible. It's kind of like the James Robinson syndrome where, where where's he at? Where, where's he going? I mean, you say LaVisca is going to be a big factor after the Cincinnati game and his first target's in the fourth quarter. Yeah. I don't understand. I don't understand um, the momentum of this coaching staff where things just change. And I know you have to give what the defense gives you, but it just it's just been one mistake after the other, which leads us to London yeah. this week. Yeah, and it's like there's not a whole lot of positive as we head into this London game to talk about it, uh, besides the fact that the Dolphins are not a very good football team either, and they're without their starting quarterback. Uh, you know, London games are always crazy, but we'll get a good start to our Sunday morning as we all take in the Jaguars game early in the morning. And is this the week? Maybe. Who knows? If not, it's 0-6 heading into the bye week. It's, that's not what you want to see. No, I didn't. and I will – Going on a limb again, and I'm going to pick the Jaguars. If this was another team at this point, even the Jets, I don't know if I would pick them, but the Dolphins, they got smashed last week by the Bucks. almost a 30-point loss, close to 30-point loss, 45-17, unbelievable. And they look almost as hapless as the Jaguars. So I am going to say 27-24, Jaguars end the streak. I I was just being too optimistic last week against the Titans. I should have never picked that game, should have went with you on that one and, and picked the Titans to win. But 
I'm going to say 27-24. The streak ends in London, and uh, if it doesn't, then Urban Meyer needs to stay in London. Yeah, just get the man some fish and chips. Uh, I'm picking the Dolphins. Look, I'm not, I'm not picking the Jaguars until Urban Meyer shows me he can coach an NFL game. I, I'm, I just can't do it. Every week it seems like they find a new way to just – baffle everyone that watches the game like what are you doing I mean at this point with him not calling plays uh, is he any better on the sideline than me or you I'm not convinced I'm picking the Dolphins Uh, I think the Dolphins are good in a few spots on their roster just talent wise and if we're putting talent on talent I'll take the Dolphins roster over the Jaguars roster Um, this is just taking coaching staffs out of the equation just saying football on football I'm taking the Dolphins right now so I'm gonna pick them 30 to 17. Okay. L- better question. Over or under one field goal for the Jaguars? <laughs> uh, I, we don't even know who their kicker is going to be on Sunday, so let's go under. I'm going to go under, too. Yeah. How bad? Over oh, five this year on field goals? Unbelievable. Oh, man. It, yeah, it's bad when you went from automatic Josh Lambeau to can, can we buy a field goal? They haven't. Just haven't bad. been. They'd love to. Just bad. All right. Thanks for tuning into the News for Jags podcast. We'll check in with you again later.